0: Numbers chapter 21, Numbers chapter 21 is where we're at this morning, and uh, Numbers chapter 21, and again, may I say thank you for being here this morning, and I know that the effort and the time it took to come to honor honor the Lord, um, that's why we're here. Numbers chapter 21 and verse number 4 is where we're going to be, and uh, then ushers, I'll let you have a seat, Numbers chapter 21. And verse number 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread." And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. The children of Israel... Can I get a little bit more platform if you don't mind? Thank you, guys. The children of Israel found themselves in a very dangerous position in Numbers chapter 21. They had made a mistake by... Uh, opening their mouth and speaking against God and against Moses. I'm going to switch over to the pulpit, Brother Todd. I'm just going to say goodbye to that. Their complaint against God and Moses was the fact that God brought them out of, of Egypt into the wilderness, but they had no bread and they had no water. The Lord answered their complaining by sending fiery serpents among the crowd. People were being bit by these fiery serpents. People were dying. The attitude of the children of Israel went from one of complaining to all of a sudden their attitude completely flipped to one of repentance. Once God saw this repentance in their spirit, then the Lord told Moses to do something very unusual. The Lord told Moses to take the serpent that was biting them and to take and make a brass serpent and put it on a pole and then lift it up. This is amazing to me because the very thing that bit them that caused death was put on a pole, and then the Bible tells us that Moses was commanded that just lift it up, and that everybody that was bitten, everybody that was now had poison in their system, all they had to do was look to that serpent on the pole, and they would be healed. Why the serpent? Why put the very thing that bit them on the pole? Why would looking at a brass serpent bring life? The Bible tells us, if you'll go to John chapter 3 and verse number 14, this story is referenced in the New Testament. And I think this is amazing because this is at the heart of our Christianity. Dear believer, what we're about to look into and what we're about to experience, this is at the heart of why you and I have the ability to walk around after we have sinned. Nobody here is walking around of your own merit. Nobody's enjoying life because you did something. We're enjoying everything we have because Jesus Christ did something for us. Look at it, John chapter 3 and verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Look at it. That whosoever. Would you say that word right there, please? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was, in essence, saying, when they put that fiery serpent on the pole, the very thing that was causing death was a picture to come of Christ on the cross. Would you now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? And... Uh, in a good place to use your Bibles in the house of God. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter five in verse number 21. And again, let me say, if you have a thumb index Bible, you're a cheater. And, uh, second Corinthians chapter five and look at verse 21. 2 Corinthians five, 21. For he hath made him to be what, please? Sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness Of God in him. Do you have any idea what that means? That Christ became the very sin that condemned you to hell. I want you to go back through the sins in your life. I want you to go back through those times that when you look into the mirror, you can't even believe that you did that. That dark night, that night that brings about such a depression in your life that you think to yourself, well, I hope nobody ever finds out about that. Let me tell you something. Christ became that so that you could go to heaven. Christ wanted to exchange your dark night for his blood on Calvary. Would you, would you think about that? He wanted to exchange what you could do for what he did do on Calvary and second generation Christians, don't get too boastful and too proud that you think your flesh is better than anybody else's flesh in this room. All of our flesh is depraved. All of our flesh can do bad things. All of our flesh, and the only reason Bob Gray has not done things other people have done is because God gave me a great mom and dad. God put me in a great church. God gave me the word, but I cannot live this naive life of thinking that I can't blow my life wide open because without Jesus Christ you would go back to it and without Jesus Christ I would step into it but praise the Lord he became sin for us he knew no sin if you look closely on the medical profession you're going to see that the symbol has a serpent on it look closely at the medical the ambulance next time there is this symbol that probably has two serpents on it. The Greeks picked this up and they made it one of their gods. They made it the god and this symbol literally means a herald. But the Greeks stole it from God. The Greeks took this story and they made it a god of healing. And this is why the medical profession carries the serpents. And that's why the medical profession, be why? Because they know just like God, has healed these people because of the sin they were in and being bit by the serpents, God wants to heal you. If you're lost and without Christ today, then because you've been bitten by sin. Psalms 51 tells us that, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Because you're a sinner, you will pay for those sins in hell. Unless there comes a day when you look to Jesus, every sin deserves payment. But I got good news for you. Jesus took that payment when, you, when he died on the cross. Now, now, that may not mean much to the average believer because we have a higher opinion of ourselves than we really ought to have. Every believer ought to live in the shadow of the cross and live in the shadow of that day that you were on your way to hell and Jesus came along and Jesus pointed out that you needed a Savior and you accepted Jesus as your Savior. The only reason somebody is, is not in love with the day they got saved, would you please turn to Colossians 1.23. The only reason somebody's not in love with the day they got saved is because they've lived too far away from the day they got saved. Boy, Look to Jesus. Trust in him to take you to heaven. Would you look at what it says there in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23? Look at this. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, Colossians 1, 23, and be not moved away from the what hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven you know what you need to keep right at the forefront of your Christianity is not how far you have matured in your Christianity, but where you started out in your Christianity. The thing that keeps believers humble and the things that keep believers where they need to be is when we realize without Christ, we would have none of this. Without Christ, we would be going nowhere. And I think that when you and I understand that sin Sin's venom has to be paid for either by you going to hell or by Jesus Christ taking care of it. Look to Jesus. You don't clean your life up to get saved. You don't get washed in the baptistry to get saved. You don't have a man absolve you of all your sins. You don't live a good life to go to heaven. You simply look to Jesus and put all your saving faith in Jesus. And then guess what? He trades places with your eternity. He paid for it all. There are people sitting listening to the sound of my voice. Listen to this. That people have been praying for you. Let's just stop and talk. There are people sitting in this auditorium. That people have been praying that you would abandon anything that you're trying to do to get you to heaven and simply come to Christ. But it's not gonna happen by you doing anything to the outside to get rid of sin. There's nothing you can do. New Year's resolutions will not take away sin. Turning over a new leaf won't take away sin. Reading a self help book won't cure what's ailing you. The only thing that's ailing you is sin. And Christ is the only solution to sin before the permanent solution comes along, and that's hell. Christ went to the cross. Christ became your darkest day. Christ took upon sin. He didn't know sin. He didn't know the venom of sin. He didn't know the guilt of sin. All he knew was is that he loves you and he doesn't want you to go to hell. There are two things that I think this morning I want to bring to you. If you are without Christ, I say look and live and receive eternal salvation. But listen, dear believer, if you are with Christ, I say look and live in that salvation. I don't think we understand how blood-bought we really are. I don't think you and I understand how that the sin that we struggle with has already been paid for on Calvary. Go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 12. And this is very interesting this morning. And if you and I can go back to the day that we got saved, how many times do you think about the day you got saved? How many times do you think about that time when you were lost? When we read and we sing, sing songs or we hear something, does it take us back? Do we realize that Christ paid it all and that the sin that would send you to hell, this sin should not control your life? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore, what please? Reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. The Bible didn't say let not sin be in your mortal body. It said let not sin reign in your mortal body. Please know this. If right now you are being bit by sin as a believer, maybe you've been bit lust, greed, worldliness, your temper, temptation, Drugs, alcohol, pornography, cussing, gossip, hatred, lying, stealing, cheating. This was paid for by Christ on Calvary. Did y'all hear that? This has already been judged. And when you trusted Christ, you stepped into a world of sin never going to be imputed on your record. One day when you die, every sin you are doing right now as a believer will not be imputed on your record. And if we could realize that Christ came to redeem us and to save us, and now you and I have been set free. We don't have to walk in the bondage of the sin that Christ already saved us from. You and I can be set free. We were set free eternally. Now let's be set free earthly. We can live the successful Christian life. To live the successful Christian life is not how far your flesh goes, but how much his saving grace is in your life. Because the more you and I, and I would like for you to go back to Colossians 1.23, the more you and I camp out next to the day we got saved, the more you and I, and I want you to notice here, the two words found in Colossians one twenty three. In Colossians one twenty three, if ye continue in the faith, w- would you notice the next two words there? What are they? Can we say them together? Grounded and what? Settled. Let's say those two words again, please. Grounded and settled. When you live in the shadow of the day you got saved, then you will realize that whatever sins are tearing you up are sins that he's already forgiven. And that the same Jesus that sets you free is the same Jesus that can keep you from that sin having power over your life. What did he say? He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. I feel like I got hair. Hey, let not sin therefore <laughs> reign in your mortal body. But, but you know where we keep the throne of our life? We keep the throne in our life down the road in our faith. We have lived so far from the day we got saved that we think our goodness is where we fight sin from. We think it's our flesh being better. Newsflash, your flesh ain't getting any better. You know, when your kids are in the back of the house, as long as you can hear them screaming and hollering and throwing things, you're okay. But how many know when all of a sudden it gets quiet in the back of the house? They're up to no good. They're up to no good. Every day you live, do not pick up the throne of your life and carry it to your last good. Let that sink in. Well, you know, I I read my Bible and I prayed I helped a little old lady across the street, old, 55. And, uh, you know, I took my, that's because I'm 54. And uh, I, I took my neighbor's groceries. I sang in the choir. That's not where you put the throne of your life. Do you know where you live your life? At the foot of Calvary. You wake up every day. I wake up every day. And let's not live in how long we've been a member of a church. Let's not live in our talent. Let's not live in, look at me. Don't live in your bank account. Don't live in all the good that you have. Don't live there. Don't start your day there. You start your day at the day you got saved and at the day you should have went to hell and at the day you should have paid for all the junk you've done. That's where you live. That's where you ground yourself. That's where you settle yourself. And then when you struggle, you won't be haughty in it. You will be humble in it. Because why would I want to live in anything that costs my Savior his life? That's why he said in Colossians chapter one, he said, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. If I could get you to do one thing this morning, it would be this. Pull your life back into the day you got saved. Stop living in how good you are. I need to stop living in my talents, and in my gifts, into the things I know how I do well, I have to stop living that my blessings make me better. My blessings don't make me better than anybody else. My blessings, the money you have, the things you've acquired, the things you cherish, does not make us better than anybody else. We're all sinners. That deserved to go to hell. And if it wasn't for that day when somebody said, Look, look, and you'll live. God bless Ron Shirley. God bless that man that when I was in junior high, he stopped that class and he said, I don't know why I'm asking this, but does somebody here not know Jesus as their Savior? For whatever reason, on that day, God came down and God said, he's talking about you. And as a junior hire, higher, I raised my hand and we went downstairs. And he took the Bible and said, I'm going to tell you things you already know. But on that day, I can still remember. And he said this to me, Revelation 21, 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, it goes through this list of bad things. The thing that did it for me was when he said, you've just not lived long enough to do these bad things. But you, without Christ, will do these things. I didn't want that. And I trusted Christ. And any time Bob Gray has ever gotten himself in trouble, is when Bob Gray picks up the throne of his life and I carry it in my success. And then sin has a way of crawling up on that throne and sin will make me live like I'm going to hell. But I got to bring it right back to the day I got saved. And Joe and Tracy, I got to remind myself that without Christ... Without Christ, I could blow apart a part of marriage. And without Christ, I could be a drug addict. Without Christ, I'm in trouble. That's why every day we wake up. Can I beg you, don't take your life and move it to your last point of success? Keep your life. Grounded and settled right there. This morning, when we were singing, I was looking out through the auditorium and to see believers weep and cry, and to see believers wipe the tears from their eyes. Do you know what a believer is saying? I'm living right there, living right there to that day. That I trusted Jesus and that's how I want to live the Bible is very clear knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that we henceforth should not serve sin likewise reckon ye that's how you know this is a book birthed out of the south of heaven Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ. Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through faith, God sending his own Son in the likeness of his sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh." For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If you're lost today, look and live. Just come to Christ. But if you're saved today and the very thing Christ died for has you in bondage, it's because you've lived too far outside the shadow of the cross. Wake up every day and look to that cross and say this, no matter what success I have today, I'm not living in that. I'm living in the fact that I'm saved. And my My fight with the flesh is to keep me close to the day I got saved. I see Brother Bowen sitting back over here to my left. And Brother Bowen worked here for years, and he's a staple here. But but, but anybody who knows Bob Bowen, you ask him, How you doing, Bob Bowen? What's he say? But you ask the average person. How you doing? Oh, preached a great revival campaign. Sang a wonderful solo, which Chandler, you did. He told me so going off. No, I'm kidding. And he did. Oh, I, I played a great, the Connie and Teresa up here, did a great job. You ask the average person, how you doing? But Bob Bowen nailed it when he said, saved. If we could all could just live there. Let me ask you a question. When did you get saved? When did you come to Christ? And how many days have you lived outside of that shadow? Tonight, tonight, Peyton Thomas is going to get baptized. It's okay if I tell a testimony right now. I was preaching on a Sunday night a couple weeks ago on are you right with God? I'm preaching about the fact that if you have Jesus, you're right with God. It's, it's, it's you're right. So I'm preaching along, I wasn't even preaching about salvation. And, and Peyton's on the front row and 10 years old, 10, huh? Almost 12, 11, almost 12. He's sitting on the front row and, and at the end of the service, he's got tears in his eyes. He said, Pastor, I just want you to know. And he took his hand, and I'm going to have him give testimony tonight in the baptistry. He took his hand, and he just started beating his heart. He said, I realized I wasn't right with God. Didn't have Jesus. That young man's 11, going to be 12 if he will live right there. If he would, how many would agree if he would just live in the innocency of salvation? Then no matter what he faces, just keep that throne right next to the day you got saved. But we have used salvation as a liberty for the flesh to do what it wants to do. And it's brought about nothing but bondage. This is why believers are no longer happy. Because we've gotten over the day we got saved. March 27, 1979. The day I got saved. And any time I've ever gotten myself too far out from that day, I've gotten myself in trouble. When's the last time you thought about that day? Do you have that day? Maybe the thing you need is not another self-help book or not another feel good about yourself. Maybe you need Jesus. But if you can say, I'm saved, then I want you and I to go back to that day.